0: I chat with Robin from Lux Recess on episode seven of Checking In with Robert Dwyer on the Mylanomics Podcast Network. All right. Welcome back to the show, Robin. So glad to have you.
1: Thank you, Bob. I'm so happy to be back.
0: Well, we chatted last in January of 2021, and gosh, in these times, uh, so much can change in a year. I think we were celebrating that vaccines were just becoming available. You were saying that some of your physician uh, clients as a travel agent were starting to get out there and travel. Well, we've got all, a lot of vaccines out there right now, but travel isn't quite as uh, much of a slam dunk as I'd hoped it would have been. What are you seeing uh, from your perspective?
1: Well, from my perspective, I'm actually still seeing it in a slam dunk sort of way. So after we spoke in January, I would say that like within weeks of that episode, you know, I I I as a travel advisor and as a and as a publisher of a magazine like on travel, I just everyone was ready. Mm -hmm. People planned a lot of last minute travel in the spring, so much so that people then had to push their travel to summer because their traditional spring break Destinations were sold out. And what I'm seeing now, which I think is crazy, is that of the most popular places for spring break with the families that um, are in my circle, they've already planned spring break. Mm-hmm. So Now we're already working on summer of 2022. So I think that the surge in demand has still disrupted what's a traditional uh, time for people to be thinking about trips, because then if they say, "Okay, now let's plan to go somewhere for Christmas, they're going to be disappointed that many options have already sold out. Or there's that horrible COVID hotel inflation where the prices are somewhat unprecedented as well.
0: Wow. You know, I've seen that. I've seen crazy stuff in terms of airfare and and hotels as well. So it, are you seeing customers book redundant trips? Uh, we've seen that, you know, uh, maybe you have a, I hope this can happen trip. And then maybe that's something a, a little bit more of a safe bet. I even saw a blog post the other day that had four trips planned for one vacation window. <laughs> are you seeing people with redundant bookings?
1: Hmm. You know, I wouldn't necessarily know about those. I have also even, I'm a little more conservative, you know, if I'm wearing my advisor hat, I always say that we're going to plan the trip that you could take now, hypothetically, mm-hmm. just because I feel like I have PTSD professionally from 2020 and the, you know, canceling everything. And I, and I also think that when people are taking vacations now, they have such a deep psychological need, like they really need a vacation and they would probably say – I need a vacation, and I'm searching for something more intensely than trips past, so I think that to plan something that you can't guarantee, and I say that in quotes right because it's a it's a world where we can't guarantee travel now absolutely, but if they can't take if they can't take that trip, that's just a double blow, yeah.
0: Well, I am thinking about next spring and next summer in the points-of-mouth space, we always you know, have a, a window to consider, and it's usually a year for a lot of things. A lot of airfare opens up about 11 months, and a lot of hotels open, I think, similarly. I don't know if some places open more than 12 months. Maybe some high-end resorts book out that far. I don't know. But uh, I wanted to reflect on a couple of places that I stayed since we talked And maybe inspire people for travel in the Northeast. I know we're both in the Boston area, and you are always good at advising clients, and you visited a lot of the top resorts around here. I did a couple trips. Um, In April, I went to one that you've written about before, the Mansion at Ocean Edge. Mm Mm-hmm and we had a good time there. That was uh, it was, that was a nice property. I I think I summed it up by saying something along the lines of you know, expensive for the quality of the accommodations, but a lot of really good access. You know, you got access to the golf course, got access to the tennis pro, got access to the, the restaurants and the beach there. A- April, a little early for it, but If I I liked the idea or the experience there, um, what would be something similar that you might recommend in, in the Northeast and maybe with an eye towards Maine?
1: When you were at the mansion at Ocean Edge, did you stay in, they have a presidential villa section and then they have rooms in the main house.
0: I stayed at the at the presidential villa section. So mm-hmm. it was like a, a two bedroom with a, a, a
1: kitchen full fullish kitchen.
0: Yeah, that.
1: I've stayed in those as well. They have full kitchens, two or three bedrooms. Some of them are beachfront where you're literally on their path to the beach, and then others are slightly closer to the main resort building. Yeah, I like so you just mentioned something I wanted to add. If you are in New England, One of the things about that resort that's so great is that during both February and April vacation weeks, they typically run like a themed event for families because it's off season at the Cape. Mm
0: -hmm. So there
1: was like a Hogwarts themed week one year, a superheroes themed week. And so if you have younger children, there were a variety of events and crafts that they did around that theme. So that's actually a really popular place for, for those families who aren't going very far and who just want something easy.
0: Yeah, they absolutely did. They had an Olympic uh kind of event. They had stuff out on the lawn there, engaging the kids in the Olympics. Our, our kids were maybe a little bit old for that. We did went and, you know, thankfully, we were able to do golf and tennis. But I could see that being a big draw for uh, kids in that kind of, you know, five to eight, maybe 12 uh age group, because I did see a lot of kids enjoying that. So and then they did that. Um, I don't know if it was the first time they did it. They did this outdoor igloo kind of thing, maybe really nice for COVID. But I don't know if they've done it in the past where you could enjoy a like a private dining experience. In your little bubble outside and they had kind of you know it was warm because it was sunny and a little bit of a uh, uh, you know snow globe kind of effect where it uh, was nice and toasty warm they're pretty neat thing they did there too
1: yeah I've done those at a couple of other hotels um, all of the Ohm hotels in New England have those mm. so in the Boston area that's the Inn at Hastings Park which is a relation to affiliation have you been there Bob you would love it not. no okay so the Ohm properties are the Inn at Hastings Park the Ocean House and the Pog Inn, and the latter two are down in Rhode Island.
0: Okay, okay. Well, I I, I was saying I we love Newport as well. We did a rental there, so I'm looking to kind of combine those two things with my a, a trip with my sister, kind of uh, uh and, and her family. So family oriented, some service, luxury, but up in the in the Northeast. So those, those those are some good recommendations closer to home here. Anything you can think of in Maine?
1: So in Maine, we have an article coming out on a guide to Maine, actually. So so I'm that's what I'm editing right now. I mean, there there are quite a few. There are quite a few resorts up in Maine. Um, Maine is sort of divided south of Portland or north of Portland. The luxury typically is south of Portland. There you're going to have the Cliff House Inn, the Inn by the Sea the white barn inn which is really more for couples and not for families mm-hmm. but the the cliff house inn and inn by the sea are two favorites we love the inn by the sea because of its it's a uh, i have an article of that on my website like we've had the most incredible family weekends there hmm. there's something about the place that there's enough stuff to do but the way it's like a a giant u shape with a large lawn that has a pool and grassy knoll, and then a very long, beautiful beach walk, uh, to a sandy beach. That's, that's quite lovely. And even we've done this resort in every season. We even went in January and it's just very serene. They have great room service. You know, you can get your fill of lobster and blueberries and all of the different, you know, uh, dishes, and it's only about twenty minutes south of Portland, so it's a great place to go and stay, and then also take advantage of some of the Portland restaurants. They're wonderful. Portland, like every every kid should go on a lobster boat. It was super fun. So there are these wonderful um, lobster boat excursions where you know kids from teens to little kids get to. Um, feed the traps. And and when they pull up the traps to see what's in them, it's, it's kind of exciting. So that's one of our favorites.
0: So you mentioned uh, Cliff House. I think a friend went there and liked it so much that he booked it again with a college age daughter. But the one that you're talking about more highly even is, uh, say that name again for me.
1: It's called the Inn by the Sea in Cape Elizabeth. Excellent. Excellent. A fantastic tip. If you plan to go in the summertime, if you go in late June, Just when the kids get out of school, there is a pick-your-own-strawberry farm next door that you can walk to, just steps from the hotel. So the first time we experienced that resort, that was an added bonus. We had most of the rooms have some sort of kitchen format, and so we just had gobs and gobs of strawberries. It was was really a fun memory. So that's a, a wonderful treat to experience both summer strawberries and lobster. Awesome.
0: Awesome. That sounds like a perfect recommendation. A couple of them there. Have you ever been to Magus Lodge, all-inclusive uh, all, all, all inclusive, uh, American plan or whatever they call it up there in uh, on Lake Sabago, I think?
1: So my funny to mention that. I was just talking about it yesterday because my editor just came back from there. She was there this summer and described the lodge in detail. And that's a really, the, the, the families who will like it, the advantages are that it has a phenomenal kids club, and I shouldn't say the word "club" because it is a kids program that they are very much outdoors, fishing, you know, being incredibly active. So it's like it's like a summer camp, a day summer camp with all of those traditional lake life activities. They also have a nighttime program for younger kids, but um, it's a very traditional resort. Families sort of go year after year, and. It's not luxurious, uh, except in the price, because it has more of that clubby generational feel that you go there because you always went there or Mm -hmm. your parents went there. And it has a very understated sort of Yankee version of luxury, which, you know, was a little more rustic.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ah, thank you so much for that. I have been eyeing that place forever. It sounds like it might not be a great fit for us. The price is uh, astronomical. I think I, I I always thought about booking it and said, oh my goodness, no, this just does not work. So uh, and I think they might have been cash only or something like that. Last time I checked, they they must have moved on by that from from that. But I I just I just love being able to hear the words and uh, wonderfully and concisely stated there. So not not a knock on it. M- maybe somebody should check it out. But it uh, it looks like an LL Bean catalog. Uh, beautiful location, but until I really hear what it's like. that's uh, It's it's hard to say whether it's a good fit for me. So it sounds like maybe not.
1: Well, my, my editor said that her daughter and sons, who are teenagers, they had a fantastic time. They were incredibly busy. There's a lot to do there. Uh, the food was good, not great. They definitely took advantage of you know very generous lobster bakes and that sort of traditional thing but i think that the people there's another hotel that it reminded me of which is Kneel Bay down in St John which closed after the most recent hurricane damage it suffered Kneel Bay had not would certainly never be considered a, a super modern luxe resort in the caribbean it it was somewhat run down but people had an attachment to it because there was this history of going there and you went there as a kid or you went there with your parents and your grandparents. And so being there was its asset as opposed to delivering high design and um, the you know the newest, most modern rooms. Well,
0: I, that's a great segue, I think, to uh, a state that you just told me about, and that is uh, Blackberry Farm in Tennessee. I, I've always heard of this place. It comes up a lot in your luxury travel Facebook group. And I was thinking it was... Good for COVID, and you'll tell me. Um, I stayed at the uh, Ventana Big Sur; it's a Hyatt property out in California, and and loved it for its uh, remote, rustic luxury. And I was thinking, you know, there's a really high end resort in Tennessee. Like, how did somebody, you know, come up with the funds to do this, and how do they attract uh, visitors from all over the place? But tell us about Blackberry Farm. What do you think of that stay?
1: Well, it's certainly no secret. It started in the '90s, and the the family who has built the resort. It it was their vacation home, so it's like a white clapboard, uh, stone and slate roofed home that has expanded over the years. The generation that is our age took over the resort leadership, continued to add buildings of more accommodations, at different sizes, and um, sadly, uh, that son died um, in August. A, I think his 36th birthday in a ski accident and his widow is currently the head of the resort. So they've had um, the last 20 years, they've continued expanding it such that in 2019, a sister property opened called Blackberry mountain. And they, they, it, it's never, I mean, it's not a a secret resort, but it's certainly one that it's price point keeps a lot of people away. And Celebrities are known to love it, and there's a huge uh, confidentiality culture there, which I think contributes to that. Um, they, they're they very, very private. So it's about a 20-minute drive from the Knoxville airport, so it's not that hard to get to either. But these two resorts share this all-inclusive plan with a three-course lunch, and then a multi-course dinner included, as well as breakfast. And there are a variety of activities you do. And I will tell you that the price point for me was high, where I, you know, like when you when you buy when you when you book something that you're like this is more than i would typically book so it better deliver <laughs> and you carry that little grudge i suppose <laughs> okay
0: yeah so, i can I, I i'm ashamed to say yes i i know that emotion
1: <laughs> right so so as we as we know we're splurging you know we're like oh this better be it right so i went there with that filter And was kind of hard on it, to be honest. I'm writing my own article on the properties now. And meanwhile, my husband's like, I'm in paradise. I love this place. He thought it was fantastic. (laughs) There were two things that were unique about the place. My husband, for him, he wants to be the only guest at a property. Okay. That's his, like, he doesn't want a lot of people. You do feel like you're the only guest. Wow. The only time you really notice or see other guests are at meals and a couple of activities, but most of the activities are private anyway.
0: How many uh, rooms are there? Are there there maybe cottages? How how many people would you say are on on site at Blackberry Farm at a time?
1: I'm going to throw out approximately 80 people, but that's not an exact number but I feel like it's close to that. The one thing I want to point out for, for listeners who have this situation, what they were exceptional about of all of our travels, my husband has a couple of really tough food allergies. And I don't mean like gluten because you can really get around gluten now, but he has one like canola oil and everything is fried in canola oil, mayonnaise is canola oil, et cetera. And what they did to customize His allergies was unbelievable, Mm -hmm. and even the snacks they put in our cabin were they they popped popcorn and coconut oil, and they did all of these things, so that he just felt you know he was fed like a king for his stay. So he was in bliss, and I would mention that because I think that it's really hard if you have unique food allergies and sensitivities to travel with such a success story.
0: Especially at an all-inclusive, it's impressive that they are, you know, quality and quantity. So that sounds like a, a win there. Is that location, are, are both the, of the BlackBerry properties uh, kid-friendly? They aren't they allow kids?
1: Very. And I think a lot of people have a, they think that BlackBerry Farm is a splurge for couples. I would say, I'm very glad we took our children. And I think it's a fabulous family property. And maybe not for every family, but as a our family style of travel is a little maybe a little more mellow than others you depend most likely you're going to be in an accommodation that comes with a golf cart and you navigate a golf cart around the properties and i'm like an happy eight-year-old behind the wheel of a golf cart like so we (laughs) we were in a golf cart driving around a lot of the time and endeavor gets tiring for us so maybe we're a small portion of the population but they have all of these private activities for adults, but what was important for me was to not dedicate four hours to something because that's so much of the day. And they have these great uh, condensed experiences that are about 90 minutes and they're priced accordingly for families of four. And then you have to pay a supplement. We did a stream experience with, with a naturalist on site. And it was, you know, August and very hot, you know, in Eastern Tennessee. And this naturalist showed us how to lift up rocks in the in the spring on property in the stream on property, and identify all of the these tiny biological creatures in the stream's ecosystem. Cool. It was amazing. Like so, those are the kinds of things. It's just very slow paced. It's all about the eating and um, the thing that the it's it's not fair to call it an all inclusive because that. That makes you think of buffets and the resorts where the the goal is quantity, and you do not get quantity there, but you get the richness of thoughtfully prepared, multi-course meals every day. So it feels heavy in a sense, but not in the Mexican resort all-inclusive definition at all. (laughs) Alcohol is not included in those rates either.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of similarities there to, uh, maybe I'm drawing a, a parallel incorrectly there, that Ventana Big Sur. Similar price points. Uh, I think average rates of these places go for around 2000 2500 a night was what I saw in a quick check of BlackBerry. I don't know if that's kind of an off-season price. Is that?
1: No, that's what we, that's approximately what we paid for a family of four in the summer.
0: Well, that's good that they uh, don't charge more to put two more people in the room on the all-inclusive plan, or, or do they?
1: It's a very small supplement. Much well, reasonable. Um, yeah. It's a very small supplement. Uh, as a virtuoso advisor, I got it. I can't remember the amount, but I actually get discounts there. And I was excited that the discount that I got removed the cost of the kids' supplements for the food. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah. So so they do take kids. And the cottages that we had, it was one large room, but they were great at putting two uh, roll-away beds in it. They obviously have much larger... Um, houses you know for people who have the budget to do so and they recommend that families actually get these cottages because you can there's two units per cottage and there's a connecting door so you could have two bedrooms
0: i think i saw the uh floor plan of some of those that uh that's good to know you could put two of them together if you had uh, and it could be nice for like me uh, traveling with my family and my sister and her husband coming along or something like that you're close but people have their own space
1: that's right blackberry mountain in contrast Everything is brand new, and it feels very brand new, and the style is very modern and contemporary. Blackberry Farm is more of like the Southern Veranda Magazine lifestyle design. You know, okay. it's comfortable and traditional, but uh, Blackberry Mountain had some more advantageous uh, options, I think, for families. They have a couple of their cottages that have Murphy beds, and they actually have some two queen rooms on property, which the farm does not.
0: Got it. Well, I, I I think the luxury of space there and uh, being very private in the time of COVID is something a lot of people can get behind, especially if they haven't uh, had the had a reason to get out they've been very conservative and they're looking to get out but in a very luxurious way but not into a crowd so uh, maybe a clumsy segue into a little bit of disney talk here because that is about <laughs> as crowd-based as you can get but it also fuses together what we were just talking about in terms of bringing a little bit of a grudge to the expectations of a meal i don't mind paying the piper down at disney i know it's going to be expensive i think it's cliche to complain about the price at disney but when I pay a lot and it doesn't live up to what I think it should be, I do get cranky. And I come in with high expectations. And I think that's very common of people going to Disney. They have very high expectations for the family vacation. A big part of the, my conversation with Joe was the dining down at Disney. And I wanted to hear from you what you're experiencing or hearing from guests on Disney dining, because there are some restaurants that I think are really sputtering. And one of them was a really reliable friend, Ohana. And maybe you're not a big fan of Ohana. I I happen to be uh, right on board with it. I feel like it's a vacation within a vacation. I thought the food actually tasted really good in the past. This time it was terrible. And it was 400 bucks for a family of uh, five of us and a single drink per person. I thought it was one of the worst values in dining ever. And I don't know what's going on down there. There seems to be a problem with the supply chain and the the quality of the, the proteins that they're serving. And it wasn't just there at Skipper Canteen, the uh, the steak was nearly that of all as well. So I, a couple of uh, down marks there. So what are you hearing from uh, people on going back to Disney, people wanting them, their expe- expectations are, it's going to be as good as ever, but it's surprising how some things are just like they were before. I mean, going on rides, going around the park is, is mm-hmm. largely the same, but the, the dining seems to be sputtering.
1: Sure. Sure. Well, can I ask you at Ohana, was it, what meal was it? It was dinner. Dinner. I've only, I've only trusted them with breakfast. So (laughs) Um, I laugh. I love that you love it. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's not my, it's not my, that's not my favorite kind of Disney experience, but, um, my son loves Stitch. And so we do it for that reason, you know? Gotcha. (laughs) The, um, The dining at Disney for all of my readers and clients, there was a window with COVID that made people feel comfortable to eat inside again. Mm -hmm. I would say the majority of my clients who've traveled recently um, are taking precautions and doing quick service where they're staying outside. So when I was there, we also only ate outside. So, So what we've been doing both for my own family and many of my clients is doing, how do we get the best meals we can while still eating outside? So
0: that's challenging. That's uh, really next to done. I mean, I I think, uh, Len Testa talked about some locations that you could do if you wanted to go outside. There, there was a decent list, but if you're in Florida in August, uh, that's a tough combination.
1: It is. It is. So the one place that I, I had a client who went and I sent him to wine bar, George Kappa, um, haleo and those three and he's a very serious foodie he ranked the best as kappa the second haleo and the third is wine bar george i've Hmm. been to kappa a few times this year they have an outdoor patio that you can get if you show up early and then you can also eat inside kappa was actually better than ever i've Hmm. eaten a kappa several times over the years i feel like the four seasons has continued to really grow and evolve, um, and and I was incredibly pleased. I don't want to diss them, but I would say that my goofy breakfast on the last trip, um, you know, it had a lot of hiccups that are just very specific right now to all of the staffing challenges that hospitality is facing. So uh-huh. I'm judging those on hurdles that are simply not work (laughs) aroundable. And so the one thing I would say about dining at Disney right now and hotels at Disney, and you know what, I'm going to say even travel in general, the only thing we have complete control over right now are our expectations.
0: <laughs> well said
1: and and i have a i always say like it's you're very validated in feeling like you deserve a break because we all deserve a break and as i've mentioned that feeling is so intense right now but the the challenge that like a, a restaurant for example or a hotel that is considered like you know a great strong hotel it's really well reviewed they could have a, a leadership change right now because there's a lot of moving around too. People are recognizing they're worth more. They could get a better job. Now's the time within hospitality. So then, a place that was running on all f- cylinders within a week can all of a sudden have all brand new leadership and go through a very challenging period. So I'm finding it's like a it's like a minefield right now. You know. <laughs>
0: I, I totally agree, especially in terms of finding reviews. You have to, in, in the past, you needed to find reviews from somebody you could trust, you know, somebody with a relevant set of experiences and requirements that you have. That's challenging enough in itself. But then to find a review that is since COVID and somebody is has the same kind of standards about, uh, you know, conservatism in terms of COVID pr- protocols, it's, it's very challenging. So you can go someplace that you were familiar with, was good, and is better than ever after COVID, it seems like. And then other times, things just completely fall apart. And I don't see a correlation necessarily between those types of properties. You can have sister properties in the same hotel chain that are five miles from each other, and one hasn't even reopened the restaurant, and the the other one is firing on all cylinders. I just don't get it.
1: Exactly. Well, if, if we were, in fact, on staff at those places, we would understand more of the reasoning behind it. Because, for example, when those sister properties may have put all of their leadership and all of their staffing at one property so that they, so, you know, they consolidated staff in that regard.
0: Have have one good restaurant instead of two uh, <laughs> sputtering ones.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I, I think that that's part of it too. I don't know. It's, I do believe that we will get back to where we want to be, but I think that it will take another year and a half or so.
0: All we can control is our expectations. I love it. Well, speaking of expectations, uh, Space 220. Uh, Joe and I talked about this. We had no clue what the menu was going to look like. Since then, the menu is out. Uh, it looks like a, uh, a, f- a fixed price affair. I think Disney's doing that a lot at some of their higher-end restaurants. They don't let you get out of there with a kid's meal just to experience the ambience, right? They want to get you for the full Monty. So uh, I know you said you're interested in the Galactic Star Cruiser. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later. Uh, are you excited about this restaurant, or is it just Star Wars you're interested in?
1: tell me why people are so excited about this restaurant i i really and i say that sincerely
0: you get to blast off it's like a ride plus a meal is you're it really up there I, I think so you take an elevator or something like that it makes it look like you're uh, uh, ascending up uh, 220 feet above the earth and you can eat like uh, you're in space
1: okay okay well that does sound a little better <laughs> i saw the menu pictures that came out and, yeah. and i just thought no it's okay
0: well, Joe was saying, you know, everyone's saying that they want astronaut ice cream, and then our imagination about what people would eat in space really went downhill after that. And they tried to make some kind of cosmic connection between these things, but I don't know. I, mission space is was never one of my favorite rides. I think I went at once, and I was like, man, what one and done is fine here, but I, I don't see where this really fits in to the the Disney experience. It's you know, it's just space,
1: right? Well, I think it goes along the lines of they have the the aquarium themed restaurant coral reef they mm-hmm. have um the restaurant near living with the land uh you know in the Soren building and then now they have a space restaurant so it does make sense theme wise i mean when you think of like what else were they going to do right
0: yeah i guess that that's, that park, part of the park has always been like a dead zone for me i i always i don't know maybe it's just cuz there's uh, test track is always broken down and mission space isn't that good so i always seem to go right towards living with the land and soren
1: so you know what i gotta say we re-rode mission space in the last year or so because i had the same opinion as you and i thought it was really great i was really hard on it before i thought it Did was Did you go
0: on, on the full octane experience the what the, the high octane experience like the uh the the full the full thrills
1: Oh, I did the big. Be- I did the beginner thrills. Maybe that's oh, why they- I enjoyed it more.
0: <laughs> I think I did too. To be honest, I was. I heard about it ruining people's days and giving them, you know, nausea and stuff like that. So uh, maybe I shouldn't dunk on it too much. Maybe it's a great. It's a great thrill.
1: Right. Right. Um, yeah. No. Epcot. You know, I've also heard from people who actually already rode Ratatouille, and they got to go on a preview, and they said it was okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, when we were there for Labor Day, I saw them ramping up there. I think the area is charming. Uh, and I hear the, the crepe uh, restaurant in there might be the biggest uh, point of interest for me. I did go on the Ratatouille ride in Paris, and I think it is exactly the same on the inside. It happened to break down halfway through the, our ride. So that kind of uh, broke any illusion that we were, you know, shrunken down to the size of little mice running around Paris. But <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good addition. I, I think every World Showcase, uh, you know, pavilion should have a good restaurant and a good good attraction. And I feel like that's the direction they're going.
1: Yes. Well, one of the things that I found somewhat not disappointing because it's all about managing our expectations, but one of the things that I observed is that when we were at Epcot this summer, my kids love the store in Japan.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Same.
1: When we were there, they had really a fraction of the merchandise that they typically would have had pre-COVID and i'm sure there are a variety of reasons why a lot of the international imports they were selling have slowed down but that was uh, i'm looking forward to seeing that store you know completely you know back to its original glory
0: Oh, yeah. I'd love to be able to get to Japan real in general. Uh, yeah, our, our server at Vietnam was uh, brought over from merchandise like two weeks before. And you know she'd been just, they're just patching together whatever they can. Definitely not uh, that flavor that you get from the international exchange program or whatever they called it down there. That was always uh, maybe a bit of a novelty, but I, I bought into it wholly.
1: No, actually, that's one of my favorite things about Disney. And we're staying at Animal Kingdom Lodge soon. And I realize it won't feel the same because yeah. the cast members will all mostly be domestic I assume
0: yeah I I would think so that seemed to be the case in, in world showcase maybe like they had one or two chefs there or something like that but definitely not any of the white stuff so definitely feels different in that regard but the pizza is still good so mm-hmm. uh, there, there's that
1: <laughs> are you looking forward to visiting with the new genie plus in place?
0: Oh we talked about that a lot you know I think it's gonna work out well for infrequent visitors. If I'm like a, you know, a season pass, annual pass, local kind of person, I think it would, it could be annoying to have to pay that uh, more or pay each time I wanted to do that. But, you know, time is so scarce and I like to do short Disney trips. This last one we did was just two park days and it'd be a no-brainer to pay 15 bucks uh, per person per day to make lines shorter. And I think it'd be a no-brainer to pay, I I put it to Joe, what what do you think the over-under is going to be on a Rise of the Resistance a la carte lightning lane?
1: Didn't I read somewhere that it's going to be something between $15 to $20?
0: I think that's what the rumors were, but I, I feel like that's low. I mean, gosh, you know, hard is to get a, a, a boarding area, and well, I guess they got rid of those just recently, but I mean, if, if all I had to do was shell out 20 bucks to go in, it, that'd be a no-brainer, I think.
1: Well, one of the other things I was confused by the pushback against the Genie Plus is that Universal's tickets for their express passes, those are incredibly expensive. They're only waived if you're staying on property at their their deluxe properties, but they could be up to a hundred dollars. They could be the price of a ticket, depending on Jeez. the day that you're traveling. So wow. so the Genie Plus having more of an a la carte option still comes in much less.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. No, I, well, I guess the, the, the interesting thing will be the surge pricing. You know that people are willing to pay more when lines are longer and uh if they market that to if there's no no governor on that jeez oh, i could see that people paying a lot more than that on a busy you know between christmas and, and new year's kind of situation like who wouldn't pay that to to get on the ride and get out of there and get home and get back to the hotel
1: absolutely i'm curious to see how people will integrate those for those who still like taking the tours in the parks Mm -hmm. whether they're with Disney or with another party, because the majority of my clients do tour with somebody, they don't go by themselves. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not there's an additional value to have on top of that.
0: Right. So uh, on those those Disney private tours, the Disney proper ones, I think those have mostly uh, been all access to equivalent to fast Fast lane, the fast pass lane or or something like that right like and maybe they're holding back uh, rise of the resistance or some really a couple of more key attractions, but is that the way it works for you pretty much cut the line uh, for that massive fee
1: it it did. they released rise of the resistance in July so that starting in July those VIP clients with Disney also had access to a boarding group, but they didn't until July
0: hmm but now it is. So so yeah, I guess there would there would be no advantage to doing anything Genie Plus or, or Lightning Lane if you're doing a Disney proper cuz that that's included then. Uh, but when you do a third party tour, how do they get you to cut the line?
1: They don't get you to cut the line. They you know, I always explain to people, we think we know Disney, but we don't go there every day. So if you go there every day and you have routes that you use to try and beat lines, you can get very good at them and okay. that's still going to be very different than what you or I or Joe would still know and how to to navigate it's just different when that's that is your job and that's what you do got it so they do know how to use the sequence of which ride to go where so that you're never waiting more than a you know 10 minutes 15 minutes
0: That'd yeah, be interesting. Uh, it sounds like they're trying to make Genie Plus smart and simple, but uh, it just sounds like more opportunities for uh, tour, tour operators and people giving advice to help people navigate the complexity. Just uh, you know, th- take some money. I want to have a good experience, and I want to get out of there as fast as possible. So, right. I think the, 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 their jobs are going to be perfectly secure for some time.
1: I'm going for the fiftieth, and I've I've hired a guide, not with Disney, but with a third party, because. One of the things that I learned that was the most valuable for me from those experiences is not using my brain felt really good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always the person who has to figure out where to go. So even if even if someone told me what line to wait in, but told me which one, you know, there's there's <laughs> like, that's already a vacation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I know the feeling. It sometimes Disney is a comfortable place for me. That we've been there so many times. Everybody knows what to do, and that's. That's why we return. Um, but one great debate there is the whether to stay on site or off site. And we might have touched on this a little bit, but I really rounded out my experience. And I wanted to share with you that I had a good time at the Waldorf Astoria this time. I think I had bagged in that place so many times because they gave me a terrible room last time. This time, I upgraded ahead of time to that uh, Waldorf Astoria corner suite with Disney View mm-hmm. or something like that. And it was such a reasonable poor man's four seasons. I, I really, really like that stay. You you have good good feedback from people at the Waldorf, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I consider it the affordable luxury because I think their suites are very well priced even for Disney standards. You can often get a suite at the Waldorf for the price of a deluxe room on the monorail. So I, I'm a big fan of the Waldorf. They have a really strong food and beverage program. I don't think the pool situation is great if you Really want that family friendly experience because you have to walk over to the Hilton for the water slides and the lazy river, and which is fine, but you just have to know that in advance. The Waldorf has great poolside service, but the pool is pretty straightforward.
0: I totally agree with that. I mean, it doesn't compare to the Four Seasons uh, experience, especially around the pool.
1: I just love, you know, how f- hotels all have their signature fragrances. Mm -hmm. I love the Waldorf signature fragrance. (laughs) There's something about it. I walk in it and it's like, this is fabulous.
0: I didn't pick up on that. We we were talking about that at the Wilderness Lodge, but I didn't catch anything at the Waldorf. Is it kind of a citrusy or what is it?
1: I don't know. I should should buy some when I'm next there. The Hilton Bonnet Creek next door also has a really great lobby scent.
0: Is the Waldorf dependent on the location or is that a Waldorf worldwide smell?
1: (laughs) No, I think it's just that location. Oh, okay. I'm sure they customize it, you know, for the- for the feel of each resort. No, it's a, it, but it's, it is a good. I think their rooms are going to need to be renovated soon. The rooms have not been renovated in a while, but I bet when they do a new room renovation, it will be a really great option. Hmm.
0: Oh, I like that. Uh, so uh, you stay at the Ritz as well. I think that's a better play if you're not staying Disney because it feels meaningfully further away than the Waldorf and especially the Four Seasons. Do you agree?
1: I, I love that property, but I think that it's only, a good property if you do Disney one day of your stay.
0: I agree. I agree. I would totally go along with that. Just that back and forth. If you're park hopping, going over there, taking a nap, going back to Epcot for dinner, not a good fit. That's going to be a a long, miserable day from the Ritz.
1: Well, not not even breaking up the day, but if you had to wake up every morning and drive to the parks from the Ritz, you're going to start getting really tired of just the drive to the parks
0: agree. agree. Well, you like the JW next to the Ritz though, uh, maybe even more. Where, where would you slot the JW over over by the Ritz?
1: I actually prefer the Ritz. Um, I like the JW too. That's a strong property. If you don't live in Orlando, you wouldn't know this, but the culinary team at those properties have some now considered local celebrity chefs that got their start there. They have a, a large on-site farming program. So they've had a really great farm-to-table program for a very long time. Like, it's always been, like, a great anchor in the food scene in Orlando. Um, it's also, like, where many of the locals would do their staycations. What I like about the properties is that um, I don't like the JW Marriott's pool because of how crowded it, – it's one of those pools that can get crowded very quickly – and it's hard to find a chair. But the Ritz, I don't really have that problem. If you stay at the JW, you have full access to Ritz amenities. So that's a great deal, especially if you're comparing points. You know, your Bonvoy points at JW go pretty far. And I will say the Ritz Club Lounge there is also very nice. Great food, good service.
0: Totally, totally agree. Uh, that That's a good one, too. If you have the Ritz credit card, the rates down there aren't so bad in the summer. Uh, And if you pay the rack rate and you have the Ritz credit card, you get that club level for free, which... Uh, we were out at the Ritz-Carlton Bacara in uh, Santa Barbara. They wanted a fortune to upgrade to club level there. So uh, super expensive property, couldn't get in the club level there. It looked very nice. It was outdoors, uh, first uh, club lounge for Ritz I've ever seen outdoors, but a, a bad stay uh, overall there. But uh, I totally agree that the uh, club love experience at Ritz's can be very nice. And that one in Orlando is one that's particularly affordable to get into.
1: That's right. I think also when we... We toured many Florida properties in April in the height of COVID, and I noticed that the Ritz-Carlton was one of the few properties in Florida that I tried where I felt like I there was no disruption in their service or the guest experience. They still hit it on every note.
0: Oh, very good to know. Well, there's some other new properties coming up that I'd like to get your input on if you've gotten some, uh, you know, G two on them. That there's a JW at Bonnet Creek coming. You know, so Bonnet Creek is where that uh, Hilton uh, Waldorf combo is, as you know. And I guess they're sneaking a JW there, so that'd be the second JW in the Orlando area, but closer to Disney. If I if I got the read on this right, have you heard anything about this property?
1: Yeah, it it opened last July. Oh, is it open? So the JW Bonnet Creek opened in July very quietly because of COVID. It's a great option for space. In the same way, the Waldorf is a much more affordable suite for families. Mm -hmm. The JW Marriott Bonnet Creek has these corner two-bedroom suites that I've never seen priced over a $1,000 yet, but that will change. So these great two-bedroom suites with balconies and everything. The pool there is very straightforward. Um, It's a really nice minimal modern design and they have um they have quite a few restaurants they have a rooftop one that's now finally open and then they have one that overlooks the pool and the charming thing is throughout the lobby they have these little irish fairy doors that Hmm. that i don't know why i don't know the connection because you see those in ireland a lot but uh they have those throughout the lobby that you see these little signs for so it's a great it's a great stay when you're wanting, especially if you have points and you're going to Disney and you want a lot of space. Um, but that leads us to the Swan Reserve, and that is opening approximately October third. It was supposed to open in September, but it got delayed. Mm-hmm. And they are doing a really great job of. They're mostly suites. So you have an Epcot or a Hollywood Studios facing suite and the junior suites even are very large. So there were very few suites at the Swan and Dolphin. Like it's such an old hotel. They only had the Mm -hmm, suites mm -hmm. for like the people who were hosting the big conventions. Yeah, but they re- they wizened up. So the Swan Reserve, which is an autograph hotel affiliation, they're going to have several one bedroom suites and junior suites.
0: I saw them putting the finishing touches on that. I, that opening date sounds accurate based on how finished the exterior looks. And I think the exterior looks nicer than people initially feared. It looked very bland and just a big rectangular box. They put some finishing touches on it, and I think it does look nice. You know, the location is what people like so much about the Swan and Dolphin. And those are always like, oh, yeah, it's so close to Epcot uh, World Showcase entrance. I mean, with this one, you're getting to be pretty, pretty far. That is a long walk from the Swan Reserve all the way over to the Epcot entrance. I I, I don't even think I, maybe a boat would get you part of the way there, but that gets to be a long ride.
1: I think you have to walk. So I, I haven't walked the reserve to the Swan, but if you walk from the reserve... Over to the original Swan, then there's that boat that does take you to Epcot or Hollywood Studios. Yeah. But I think without a boat, or if you were in one of those little surreys, it would be a long ride
0: it would uh, you know and that makes the uh, skyliner look so uh, fast compared to that you know that boat stops at the uh, uh, the the yacht and beach club it stops at the boardwalk it stops at the swamp by the time you get there you're like man i should have walked but the skyliner just moves have you been on that yet
1: i love it what about you
0: oh totally totally i you know I, we were when we were staying at the at the waldorf i found the best way to get to epcot for dinner was to have an uber driver drop us off at the riviera and then zip over there on the Skyliner. It was, I, I think I was faster than get get dropped at the at the boardwalk or at the beach club.
1: Oh, that's great! I tried something similar and it failed spectacularly. <laughs> when I was there this summer in July, we stayed at Epcot for the fireworks, and we mm-hmm. were right near the World Showcase entrance. Mm-hmm. We were in the Britain area, so we got out of the park just in time with no crowds, and I was like, how are we gonna get back to the Four Seasons? That's where we were staying. Mm-hmm. So we hopped on the Skyliner and I didn't even care which direction it went because I figured <laughs> then we would just take an Uber yeah. from, the, from that location back to the Four Seasons. But with COVID, although those cars are around, there's a more limited supply of them. We finally got to the Riviera, which is that, and I've stayed there, which is a fun hotel. And there were no Ubers. It was like a 45 minute to an hour oh. wait. Um, And so I called the Four Seasons and they had their own car service arrive within 20, within 20 minutes. So it turned out to be a very, you know, like that was an expensive ride. So you know my idea failed miserably, and it was like midnight, right? We were exhausted. So, so, (laughs) so, so yours was much savvier.
0: No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, so frequently we end the night at at Disney at at back World Showcase. Invariably, it's raining. Maybe the fireworks are going on. You're there. You're having fun. You're it's it's so late, but you're at the back of the park. You either have to bail out in World Showcase or uh, the uh, the international entrance, or get all the way back to the front of the park, and then then the adventure just begins from there. And it's like there's no good solution. I mean, and you can see, I think, why people do things like pay a ton of money for a Disney property, hotel proper, right there, you know, the beach and the Yacht Club or whatever it might be, because that is one of the most miserable parts of being at Disney, finding your way home at midnight from Epcot World Showcase.
1: Well, I completely agree with you, because I think we all forget it. And even if it's happened to us before, but we're like, oh, that was a great fireworks showcase. And then you're like, okay, I'm ready to be done and be back in my hotel room. Yeah. And we always ignore the fact that, well, we have about an hour and a half to get back there. Like it's a long <laughs> ride and it's the most tiring part of the day. Well, we finally
0: got to watch uh, fireworks from uh, the California Grill. I'd never been there at, at dinner time. And that was spectacular. Yes. The, uh, the food was good, but that that experience, and it wasn't even so much, you know, y- 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 we've all seen fireworks, right? It was watching other kids from other families be so over the top, like this is the greatest night of my life. It was so fun to watch those kids. We were all having a good time, of course, but just such a pleasant environment. They're still firing in all cylinders. So I, I still like California Grill.
1: I It's one of my favorites. Love that place.
0: Excellent. Well, what, one more hotel coming, uh, Conrad. Uh, I hear Conrad is entering the market, Hilton uh, being even stronger here. Where is that going? Have you heard of this one?
1: You know, I actually haven't heard anything about that one.
0: Ooh, might not be happening.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know about that, Um, but I'll look into it.
0: Okay. Well, you, you taught me on the JW Bonnet Creek. I was driving around there in person. I didn't see it. And <laughs> you know, it's open. So uh, between the two of us, maybe we'll get the, the scuttle on all these. And I, I know we're both, I think, completionists. We like to go and check out, check out all the hotels so we can make an informed opinion. So I look forward to your, your thoughts on all these as you get down there and get a chance to visit them. And especially your thoughts after the 50th. That'll be very interesting. A lot of stuff coming for that.
1: Yeah, I think it's funny. I think a lot of people like including you know my clients and readers I think everyone's going for Columbus Day weekend
0: mm-hmm. so we're actually
1: going we're going just for the, the 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 actual celebration and even though the disney calendar indicated that magic kingdom was sold I was able to get a park pass reservation
0: for Columbus Day or for the 1st
1: for the 1st
0: Oh, for the first. Wow, you're going to be there right in the... That'd be great, right in the...
1: Yeah, so we'll be there in the heart of it. And I think it'll be fun for us because I think a lot of the people who will be there on the first are locals who collect the limited run merchandise. I have to say that's something I have little interest in. So um, I still think it will be fun to, you know be there when it happens. They have these amazing, have you seen the 50th anniversary magic bands? No. They're really, really pretty. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I can't believe I was like, sure, I'll pay $35 for this magic band twice. (laughs) You know, it's like I'm paying for it. I was like, what am I doing? But it's really nice.
0: Well, I realized how useless magic bands are if you're staying off site now. Right, it used to be that you'd use them to to tap in for Fast Pass. You don't do that anymore. You're staying offside. It can get you in. You can't charge anything to the room. Right. So it's like I think everyone get your Magic Bands for the one time today you're going to use it. Maybe twice, but uh, I think that it will come back with uh, Lightning Lane in the future. So r- r- right now, maybe a low point. That that'll be a good investment. That that uh, 50th anniversary <laughs> Magic Band will pay off in the future.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: All right. I've got uh, four luxury Disney things here in the show notes. I'm going to ask you to pick two of them that are the most interesting. Which of these do you want to talk about? All right. So you have chosen uh Disney Wish cruise ship. Uh, is it, it, that That's happening, I, I hear. But it's not, is it delayed? What's going on?
1: No, it's so happening. I have my own cabin booked. I can't wait. I'm going on like the first or second cruise past the inaugural sail. So it starts sailing next June. And I have to tell you, when COVID hit, we were, you know, my family and I. We talk travel, and we were all like, "We're never getting on a cruise ship again, ever, yeah. ever." And I was convinced of that stance. And then, as they start dripping out details of the ship, like I just slowly, slowly, slowly start falling. And then I'm just like, "Okay, we're booking this." I mean, it <laughs> looks incredible. They've t- and I, and I credit it's been over ten years since they last built a ship. So think of mm-hmm. how much like the design is very contemporary. All of these things that they've added for the guest experience are, are new and it, it, it looks, it looks amazing. So I went ahead and booked my own family and, uh, it'll start in June. I think it's like the seventh is the first sailing that sold out, but then people can book next summer and all the way through until I think the, like that final December cruise. There hasn't been anything yet released for 2022. But the the restaurants, like I'm all about the adult restaurants on the cruise ship. Mhm. I can't remember his name, but the French chef that they have yeah. uh yeah. from from France, you know, like a really high-end um French chef is overseeing the development of that menu experience for for um Enchanté. I think it's the or Lumiere, it's Lumiere, I believe.
0: It's the Beauty and the
1: Beast candle theme.
0: I'm familiar. So we we went on the Dream, very similar to you. You know, we were watching it being built and coming over and all that hype, and we went on like a similar kind of time frame, like one of the one of the very first cruises. That was a very very cool experience. I think you're going to love that. Uh, but the, I'm familiar with the adult restaurants. I like them a lot, uh, Palo, and then even higher Remy, Remy on, yes. uh, on the Dream. And so, what do they have uh, here? Do they have three, or does does this this new restaurant replace one of those two?
1: It just replaces Remy. So they've done like a Beauty and the Beast theme where. Clodsworth the clock and Lumiere Mm -hmm. the candlestick Clodsworth represents the Paolo restaurant. I, I can't remember the name of what they've called it though. And then what they've done differently compared to the dream and fantasy is that the lounge in between the two is much bigger and looks like a like every time I had gone to that lounge on the other ships, it was always empty. Uh huh. Yeah, I agree. This time, it looks good enough that adults will seek it out and should because it's like the best kept secret.
0: No, that sounds good. I, I mean that that Remy dinner was probably the best Disney dining experience I've ever had. Same. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a little corny. I don't know. I I, I ate it all up. I mean, that, that's what I'm here for.
1: <laughs> right. Right. No, we've done it twice. Um, and uh, I do think there was there was like a moment where it did cross into the cornball factor where like a rose <laughs> is presented and they have this whole. <laughs> (laughs) Script of. Same. (laughs) So my husband repeated in the little French accent of the waitress that story for like a week after. (laughs) So, I mean, but we still had a wonderful time.
0: But you think, Robin, and you mentioned it being 10 years since the dream, these experiences are fleeting. Right, and and I was thinking, you know, if I go back to Remy again, is gonna is is gonna be as good as it was that time? Nah, it's probably not. Right, it's not gonna have that element of surprise, and it was all new. And that's why I think it's exciting when they're creating a new ship. And our kids are only these certain ages for a certain window here. And I'm just starting to feel like they're gonna be leaving the nest soon. So, and with COVID disrupting uh, some of these windows, I'm a little little frustrated. But I'm glad to hear you booked that. I hope cruising continues to be super smooth, and you have a great time. I think you will.
1: Don't you feel like the magic of Disney's marketing is like, how do we make parents cry? 365 ways to make parents cry in less than 10 seconds. Like, that is how they make all of their money.
0: You watch that Christmas morning special. It's like, you know, you heal. You haven't booked a Disney vacation. What's wrong yeah, with you?
1: Right, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they, they've got us. Um, have you been watching the uh, behind the attraction on Disney Plus? No, that's very good. Yes, I watched the I watched one last night on the Disneyland Hotel. It's episode seven. You should watch that. That's the best one.
1: Actually, I think I saw. I did see one of the first episodes. I thought it was very good. One of the Disney Plus shows that I loved was the documentary about the brothers who are featured fictionally in Saving Mr. Banks. But Uh, the Sherman brothers, brothers, they had a really unconventional relationship. They hated each other. And it's not what you would expect. So the documentary (laughs) has a somewhat dark angle. It's very well done.
0: Ah, thank you. Thank you for that tip. I, I like those guys a lot. It's amazing that you can still see him around at Disney events from time to time. Last I checked anyways, and he was all the way back there, you know, now, you know, portrayed in <laughs> Moving Like Saving Mr. Banks. One of my favorites. Okay, last uh, last question, and we'll get you out of here. Uh, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. You said last time you were excited about it as a Star Wars fan, a luxury fan. I think you're going to like this, but tell me about the pricing. I think we have an insight into pricing now. Does it seem like a good value to
1: you? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't seem like value at all. I think, you know, if I'm, do we have the same notes? It sounded like when they released the prices for 2022, September, October for a family of four. Do you recall what they showed?
0: Uh, I was, uh, I think Joe was citing numbers in the high fours. And I think with a family of four, it bumped up to somewhere in the sixes. Exactly.
1: So it's a $6,000 experience for a 48 hour cycle. Mm-hmm. I don't think value is there. I think that Disney recognizes that they can continue charging a very high end price point because especially after COVID, they are a really desirable experience for families, you know, to try and go and go somewhere and have fun and be happy together. So I think they won't have a hard time filling it up, at least initially. I'm fascinated by it because I think that it will be the next it will be groundbreaking to see what immersive what immersive tourism looks like that is a manufactured fictional experience right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and how will that be impacted for will there be like go to hogwarts can you go and be a hogwarts student you know in the mm-hmm. future so this is the this is the experience that is sort of setting the stage for what's to come in this level of a new altered reality vacation so even if you aren't into Star Wars, if you have the budget to do it, I think it will be fascinating and and worth it in a sense.
0: Let me ask what you um, are seeing for cruise prices. So are you doing concierge level for your upcoming cruise, and how many nights is that
1: for next summer? You know, concierge it was concierge sold out instantly within. Because of COVID and so many cancellations, you had all of the regular cruisers who had all the cruises from 2020 that were canceled, as well as some in 2021. So they had a lot, millions of dollars of future cruise credit burning in everyone's pockets. Mm
0: -hmm. So those
1: platinum and gold uh, members who are given priority with booking, they wiped out the entire concierge level of the whole summer in the first release. Well, my, my
0: thought process was that this is on par with uh, concierge level cruise. seems about right on at first swag, 3000 bucks a night for a family of four. Uh, you, I'm sure you can see numbers even bigger than that at holiday seasons, right?
1: Actually, the cru- Disney cruise concierge you can get for less. You can get three nights for $5,000. Three nights
0: for 5000 Hmm. Hmm. On the newer ships?
1: On any of the ships. Really? For the three nights, not the four, mm. but for the three nights you can. Maybe I was
0: thinking four. I think I was paying about eight thousand for a family of four in oh in a one bedroom. That's what it was. Yes, that that bumped it up to a little bit because that's effectively the size of two rooms. That's
1: correct, right? So okay,
0: that, that that would explain the difference. Yeah. So the
1: star, so the star cruiser pricing is going to be even that you know it will exceed a Disney Cruise Concierge price.
0: Ah, uh, especially if you get a bigger room out on the Star Cruiser.
1: <laughs> right. They have two captain's rooms that I believe hold two bedrooms. And I feel like they accommodate six. Perhaps oh, wow. they accommodated more.
0: All right. So you're saying th- that the Star Cruiser is apples to apples-ish more than the cruise. Does the Star Cruiser include all your meals?
1: It does. And it actually, I feel like based on even with... Hollywood Studios, the Star Wars, quick serve in Star Wars. I thought the food was excellent for a quick serve. Did you try that yet?
0: I've never been there. Uh, Ronto's Roasters are like that kind of thing or what?
1: I thought that was like a food truck, but maybe that's what it was called. But it's just like a quick serve, just a quick serve restaurant. And yeah. uh, they had done a really great job with theming and incorporating um, more exotic looking ingredients to make the dishes look special and yeah. intergalactic. So I do think that when they're trying to do like more of the Disney cruise level of food programming, I think it will be fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, you'll have to check it out, right? You're going to check it out, aren't you?
1: You know, it's funny. I've gone back and forth. Um, I think we probably (laughs) will. Um, When I think of my kids are probably just the perfect age, as I think yours are too. When I have understood more what you do during the day and these characters approach you with different missions and you have the option of participating or not. I think that the families who wanna just go all in end up having a really thrilling experience that I think is really bonding. And I think that it's it's a very connection promoting type of vacation. Mm-hmm. So I think that especially after what we've gone through with our adolescent population through COVID Mm -hmm. I think that if people have the means to do that, even even for the families where the communication with their teenagers isn't so easy, I think they have enough structure and distraction to have a really great connecting time. So that part I actually really like about it. I think that there is, you know, that priceless emotional experience that you're going to get.
0: We shall see. Uh, that starts next summer right here. So it's not too far off, about the same time as your cruise. A lot of interesting things going on in the Disney the Disney world and uh, luxury travel to look forward to. Let's hope we can get back to it without uh, <laughs> too many more uh, regressions in the situation.
1: I know. I know. Peaks and valleys.
0: All right, Robin, why don't you tell people where they can read more of your content and how they can contact you if they'd like to use you for travel services?
1: Sure. The magazine is called Lux Recess, and that's Lux with an E and recess like school. And there there's a book a vacation button if you are interested in having um, luxury Disney vacations. I really serve more of the luxury client who's the type who is going to be using the tours and is looking for the best in hotels and the best restaurants. So that's really what I focus on. But I also Disney is only a portion of of what I do.
0: I love it. I always enjoy talking to you. I, I always pick up a, a few little nuggets that I didn't think of before, and this was uh, exceed expectations as usual. Um, I really like that BlackBerry farm. I'm gonna have to look into that one. That one is the most compelling.
1: Can I tell you? I want to. I want to. I want to tell you this story. It's gonna spoil my article. But here's the okay. thing: we talked about having really high expectations and feeling kind of. Uh, grouchy about it right if you're Mm -hmm. grouchy Mm -hmm. about a price so as i mentioned i was very hard on it and we got home and my husband's still raving that it's like his favorite place and so i loved that i loved (laughs) that he thought it was just the best yeah so then maybe like a week later school started And my 10-year-old son was like, I'm not sleepy because we've been staying up so late. And I said, honey, you got to go to bed. And he's like, I'm just not sleepy. And I was like, look, um, scoot over. And so I sat down in his bed like I hadn't done since he was maybe really young. And I was like, close your eyes. And I walked him through this sort of impromptu guided sleep meditation. Mm -hmm. And what I inadvertently was doing was you are on a golf cart. At Blackberry Farm (laughs) and you hear those sheep And you hear those puppies and I was describing this whole experience as this paradise meditation so then afterwards I'm thinking to myself I think I'm being a little too hard on it (laughs) because that was exactly (laughs) like what it was and so that's when I sort of turned on it and recognized I had other issues with its price point but I really did feel like it was a a, a beautiful beautiful experience
0: (laughs) I love that story can I keep it in the show of course that's the way a place makes you feel like that. The thing you remember is really, you know, sometimes with the the price you're paying for. And at the time, oh, you mentioned White Lotus, right? At the time, you could be very wrapped up in things that are not the primary point of the trip.
1: Oh, my God. That was the best show ever.
0: You have been listening to Checking In with Robert Dwyer on the Myelinomics Podcast Network. Have a great day.